With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, Kraken fans? Welcome to episode 38, a.k.a. Pavel Dimitra of Keeping Up With The Krakens, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and sponsored by DraftKings. Use promo code THPN for exclusive offers. This is your co-host of the pod, Tyler Bell, coming from a new location now. Now that I'm settled in in Banff, uh, uh, Alberta out here now, it's still in the mountains, and of course... Uh, fellow co-host, co-host of the pod, Alec Durham. How are you doing today, Alec? Not too bad, brother. It's been a little while. How's everything going with the move? Bud, it has been such a fun three weeks already, man. Um, Banff is a, it's a different animal out here, man. There's, uh, you know, so much to do, uh, you know, very huge party life scene going on, of course. So, uh, been getting after it a little bit, maybe a little bit too much to start off with. So, Maybe going to tone it down just a little bit, but uh, I mean, it's summertime, man, just out golfing, uh, you know, get to golf at, you know, such a beautiful course now. Uh, it's just amazing. Um, you know, got to play actually earlier today. You know, the front nine was absolutely horrendous and then uh, not a bad finish on the back nine. So felt a little better about myself as uh, as the golf went on today. But I mean, you know, I'm just out hiking mountains and, uh, you know, enjoying a lot of good food and meeting a lot of a lot of new fun faces, man. It's been a pretty exciting time, to be honest. How's things back in uh, Ontario land, bud? It is hot. It's been pretty warm the last few days. We've gotten some of those uh, heat thunderstorms coming through, so those are always pretty to look at. Had uh, my cousin's bachelor party, actually, the last weekend there. So, you know, we got after it ourselves, Ooh. too, in Ontario there. All right on, bud. Anything uh, in particular you guys got up to? Oh, my God. We played so much fucking wiffle ball. Wiffle ball. <laughs> Sounds pretty fun. Yeah, that's definitely going to become the new uh, summer game up here, I think. Oh yeah, did uh, I know Spikeball's huge? Um, you know, 
that's a big thing back there. Um, plenty of that. I tried to get the boys to play and they didn't want to play me. Just too good, eh? Just just ripping spike ball. I mean, you're basically semi-professional at this point, you know, getting into tournaments, you know, trying to win money playing spike ball. So, you know, you're fucking, you're sending it when you're doing that. I mean, Christ, you spike the ball into one guy's nuts one time and no one wants to play anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sounds a little dangerous, but uh, I, I want to try some spike ball at some point, but fuck uh you know just too busy doing other shit out here so yeah yeah pretty exciting it's been hot here though too man it's uh you know we had a good week of all you know plus 30 days and then it cooled down for a couple days and then uh you know we're supposed to get a lot more sun but uh yeah man there's still been a lot of hockey things going on the off season still continues and uh ronnie francis coming in hot with a huge trade durham to acquire right-wing forward Oliver Bjorkstrand from the Columbus Blue Jackets for a 2023 third and fourth round picks, Durham. What did you think of this significant deal made by Mr. Ronnie Francis? I love it. I mean, you're getting a top six forward, and that's what Bjorkstrand is. He is a top six forward. Like, it's arguable whether he's a first-line guy, but he is a bona fide top six player in this league. And you got him for a third and a fourth round pick. And he's a young kid too. He's good offensive guy, great goal scorer. I'm pretty sure he led the AHL playoffs when Cleveland won it. Yeah, I think so too. And I mean, like you said, bona fide top six forward for sure. I mean, he's 27 years old, so he's in his prime right now, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is when you want to acquire players and especially got them for that cheap, got them signed to a good deal as well. Like, this is a great move for Seattle. Oh, a hundred percent. And uh, yeah, you know, I think he went on to uh, become the AHL playoffs MVP that year when you were talking about it and uh, also won a Calder cup. So I think you're totally right when he, when he absolutely lit it up in the AHL and, and since then he's really continued to develop into that top six forward and uh, kind of seemed like the last three years he's taken, you know, these small steps and gotten better and better. And his last season here in Columbus, I mean, that was his best year offensively. I mean, 28 goals, 29 assists. That's 57 points in just 80 games. And it was his first year wearing the A for Columbus as well. So this guy is now a bit of a veteran in the league and somebody who continues to get better. So that's a, an ex- very exciting pickup here for the Seattle Kraken. And, uh, you know, he, he's going to be a goal scorer for this team. He's going to make a lot of noise up front. He's, you know, very skilled, speedy. Uh, you know, I, he's a lot of fun to watch. That's for sure. Yeah, like him and McCann should battle for one, two on goals in this team at the end of the year. Oh, 100%. That, these two should be the guys battling for, you know, becoming the, you know, 30 goal scorers on the Kraken, right? Exactly. Someone's got to do it. It's a race to who's going to do it first. Yeah, and I mean, he comes in with a nice little cap hit. I mean, $5.4 million. I mean, the guy was on the verge of hitting 60 points. That's pretty good price right there. Exactly. Like, you've got a possible, well, probably in Seattle, a first-line player for under 5.5 mil. And you have him signed to, I believe, four more seasons? This one, I including three so. more, I believe. So, So, I mean, you're giving up a third and a fourth-round pick 
for a top six forward who signed for four years, who's in his prime. I mean, does a deal get better than that? Like, honestly, this is a sick deal. Yeah, I mean, you gave up two picks that aren't likely to even become NHLers. Yeah, if you look at uh, statistically third and fourth round picks, how many times do these guys, you know, make it into an everyday NHL lineup and play over 300 games? It's not often. And let alone become an impact player like Bjorkstrand is. Exactly. And, you know, that right wing position was one where they definitely needed some help on. And uh, no, now you're looking nice and pretty down that right side. I mean, that adds so much more depth to that right side for the crack. And along with you with Jordan Eberle there, right? Like, like those two guys kind of make up your, your top six spots on that right wing. Do they? Yeah, I think so. And you got the versatility there with Burakovsky too. If one of those guys goes down, like he's a left right wing player, so he can slide to both sides, play both flanks there. Exactly. Uh, So, you know, overall it was crazy. It's a bit of a cap dump for Columbus. Obviously they made some other moves and went in some other directions, but uh, yeah, this, I don't know. Is this the best trade that Ronnie Francis has made so far? For the Kraken? Absolutely. Yeah, I absolutely agree too. And uh, he wasn't done there too, man. They they were still making some other deals. Uh, you know, signed some more depth on the back end by bringing in uh, veteran defenseman Michael Kempney to a one-year deal, uh, just worth 750K. So that's league minimum signing right now. A nice little depth signing here. What, what's your thoughts on it, man? Yeah, exactly. I think this is just going to be a guy who's going to be, you know, if he plays, he's going to be your third pair guy. He's going to be a veteran presence on the back end to help out. Like, cause they do have a young decor there, right? Like they still need someone a little bit older to kind of guide the way and calm everybody down. Make sure we don't get too emotional as the game goes. And that's something Kepney's able to do. Yeah. And I mean, I thought he really, you know, found his game again when he, he won a cup with Washington and, you know, he, he comes in as a 31 year old defenseman right now. So Again, I think this is a guy who's going to be what your seventh, sixth, seventh, eighth defenseman, you know, hovering around that time. I, I you know, don't expect them to be in the lineup every night, but, uh, you know, somebody who can step in and, and still play some, some minutes and eat some minutes and, uh, you know, just be more of a defensive defenseman, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, so not too bad. I like it. It's always good to, to stock up on D and just have some extra bodies available. So uh, definitely like bringing, bringing that uh, Michael Kempney in great look there and Durham. We got some guys coming back, some guys who have been re-signed and starting off with a nice little deal for Morgan geeky, who gets a one year, $1.4 million deal, uh, you know, re-signing here with the Kraken. Uh thoughts on this one. I like it. I mean, they're able to avoid arbitration, get the one-year deal done, about one and a half mil there, like 1.4, like you said. And it's a good opportunity for Geeky to showcase himself this year again and prove that last year like he can build upon and become a solid player on that third line and solidify himself there and earn a nice multi-year deal after this one. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's one of those deals where, again, like you said, they avoid arbitration. I think 1.4, we talked about it last pod. I don't know if we came up with an actual number of how much he was going to sign for, but uh, I think we said it would be, you know, just a, just a nice, simple deal, something that, uh, you know, shouldn't be too hard to get done. And it wasn't, you know, one year, 
1.4 mil for Morgan Geeky. And the way we kind of project him now with uh, Seattle's depth, he's kind of going to be, you know, bouncing around between those two bottom six lines kind of thing. And most likely looking at maybe your, maybe your fourth line centerman for the year. So um, not a bad price around there. And he's still young and he still has room to grow. You know, it'll be interesting to see if there are some injuries and he moves up onto that third line. Like you said, what kind of year can he have? Because, you know, there were some projections of him maybe having a bit of a breakout year last year, you know, and earning more ice and becoming a a, a larger player. So, again, I think it's another opportunity for him to do that. And like you said, maybe then solidify a nice multi-year deal uh, for him and he can continue to grow his NHL path. Another nice thing I think this does is it gives us center depth, right? So we don't have to force Shane Wright into the NHL this year. We can send him back to junior. No, I and I completely agree with that too, because, you know, we'll talk about it later in the pod about, you know, projecting out the lineup, but not exactly sure if it's the smartest thing to rush Shane Wright into this lineup right now. And, you know, it, We'll, we'll kind of get into that, but yeah, it, it gives them room to be able to to make those decisions, right? Exactly. Give them the Jonathan Drouin treatment. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, I love this one. Uh, I'm glad it happened because it, it looked like it wasn't going to, but Ryan Donato coming back to the Kraken, baby. He signs a one-year deal worth $1.2 Give me your thoughts on this one, Durham. This one was a bit surprising to me, actually. I thought for sure Donato was going to go somewhere else, but I wonder if it's kind of a situation where they let him go to free agency and he didn't really like what he's seen and kind of came back to somewhere where he was familiar. You know, Seattle played him. They didn't play him as much as I'm sure he would have liked, but they played him more than every other team in the NHL has so far that he's been on. Yeah, and I think that's one of the biggest things why he wanted to come back. And he definitely, in my opinion, deserved a deal. And I think he, he made league minimum last year. So he was at 750K. Uh, now he's making 1.2. So he almost almost doubling his salary. Um, but much deserving too. I mean, 74 games last year. I think he was fourth on the Kraken in goals scored with 16. Uh, ended up with 31 points. He was a minus 13. But I mean, uh, like most players were, were, you know, pretty bad on the minus side, being on a pretty tough a uh, pretty bad team with Seattle, right? So bringing in Ryan Donato, again, a guy who has that versatility to move up and down the lineup like he's proven. And, you know, he was a bit of a streaky player last year, but, you know, somebody who I think can still be an effective forward, especially in the top nine. I think he could be an effective third-line guy if, you know, if injuries or things shuffle around, trades happen, like he could still be a guy to, to, you know, find his way into the lineup and make some noise. And one real good thing I liked about Ryan Donato last year is he wasn't afraid to step up uh, for his teammates at any point. He, he dropped the gloves multiple times. He showed that he could produce for the team. Um, you know, he, he was a fun guy to watch and this deal was very deserving for him. And I'm, and I'm glad that, uh, he's found a home back in Seattle again. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what his productions like this year, if he's able to find a way to replicate that and kind of become a 15 goal guy for his career now, or if that was, if that was his year. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, you know, you look back at, you know, some of his stats in 2019-2020 when he played with the Wild, you know, he popped 14 goals in in 62 games, so he's shown that he could he could kind of do it and, you know, it, it's one of those things where it is possible for sure. I mean, he, remember how promising he was coming out of Harvard U and then you know, with Boston there. And then, uh, you know, they traded him. And I believe that was the Charlie Coyle trade, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, he had an all right year. Um, I think he he finished off, like, with a really good, you know, last 20 games with Minnesota. Then they brought him back, obviously, the, the next year. He popped the 14 goals. And then ended up moving to San Jose, and his game kind of fell apart. So, uh, you know, he, he was able to come to Seattle last year, find his game again, you know, looked pretty good. Um, so we'll see if that, that continues, but again, this lineup's coming deep now, so it's going to be hard for him to, to find, you know, a slot in this lineup, uh, game in and game out. But, um, you know, nevertheless, I'm glad he's back in a crack and sweater, baby. Let's go. Yeah. Forward depth. You can't, well, anywhere depth, you can't have too much of it. Right. Exactly. And, uh, you know, he's familiar, uh, with the organization and familiar with, uh, you know, how things run, you know, through the coaching and stuff. And he's got some, some connections. So, uh, I do love this. I'm glad he's back, baby. Uh, but Durham, there's been some other moves around the league too. We had probably one of the biggest trades we've seen in years, baby. You want to give this to the fans here, just a little breakdown of, uh, this trade. Well, after Johnny Goudreau left Calgary, Matthew Kachuk said, I ain't fucking staying either. So they had to trade him to the Florida Panthers and a conditional fourth round pick in the 2025 NHL draft in exchange for, you may have heard of them, forward Jonathan Huberdeau, defenseman Mackenzie Weger, another forward in Cole Schwind, and a conditional first in the 25 NHL draft. Holy shit. Holy shit is right, dude. I, it was funny. I was actually downtown. Um, I was grabbing drinks at Earl's. It was happy hour. We're about to walk in and just start pounding some drinks back. And I'm like, you know, they have uh, Sportsnet on the big TV, the big screen there. And I'm like seeing Jonathan Huberto on there. And then they're showing Kachuk. And then I'm like, what? I'm like, what's going on? Like, it's just so confused. And then all of a sudden, it's talking about this trade. And I'm like, holy fuck. I couldn't believe this trade. What a huge deal, man. Um, give me your thoughts on, you know, what Florida gave up in order to bring in Matthew Kachuk and just your thoughts on things so far. Well, obviously, both Mackenzie Weger and Huberto, they were on one, like their last year of a deal. They, there was no extensions in place or anything. So originally, knowing that, I thought they gave up quite a bit, right? Like in 2025, Florida might be dog water. They're really hoping on Spencer Knight there to, and I honestly have a lot of faith in the guy. So he could probably carry them to being a borderline playoff team in three, four years. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're giving up a guy who was in the running for MVP conversation last year, a guy who's your second best defenseman, and you're only doing it because you weren't able to lock down extensions for them. Although you did get Kachuk for the next eight years at 9.5 million, 
he came with an extension from Calgary. I forgot to mention that. So, like, I think Florida got the best player in this trade. But I do think they gave up an awful lot for him. They did, especially now that we have just found out, too, that Jonathan Huberdeau signs, you know, an eight-year $10.5 million contract extension. And you got to think they're going to try and get something done most likely long-term here with Mackenzie Weger. And not only that, like you said, that conditional first-round pick in 2025, of course, they've traded over you know, some other first-round picks, so that's why it becomes a conditional, because they might not even have that 2025 first-round pick, and it might turn into a 2026, depending on how things play out with some other you know, trades and, and you know, the way things land with with Florida in those upcoming years. So I just couldn't believe how big this trade was and (laughs) credit to the Calgary flames for finding out a week before Matthew Kachuk was basically like, sorry guys, I'm not interested in signing long-term here. And then they go and they're able to get this type of deal for Matthew Kachuk. And just basically a week later, that's incredible. That, that keeps your team competitive going forward. And who knows what could happen with that first round pick, right? That that's, and that's another trade asset if they really want to make it one. Um, So that gives them even more flexibility. But the one thing I would be a bit worried about is, you know, that deal with Jonathan Herberto, that takes him to 38 years old. You're paying a 38 year old, $10.5 million. I know that's, eight years down the road, but I think that's a bit of risk. But at the same time, Jonathan Huberto has been on on fire these last five seasons of his career, being over a point per game. And somebody, if, you know, say the World Cup of Hockey started today, probably a first or second line guy on Team Canada. I agree. I do think it's too much money for too long, though. Like you said, like, that's going to hurt Calgary. They're obviously banking on not being very good when Huberdeau's 37, 38. Cause then you're just looking to trade dead money and you're, when you're a bad team, that doesn't matter. Exactly. Yeah. And their, their goal right now is to stay competitive now. And you know, if you're Jonathan Huberdeau, maybe, maybe you're just thinking, you know, Calgary's, you know, they want to be good. They have a good team right now. They still have a lot of good young pieces in place right now. They got some good prospects coming up, Um, but you have an opportunity to absolutely secure the bag and get a fucking huge contract like this and, you know, get the chance to play in Canada, you know, as a French Canadian for him, maybe it was, you know, very enticing. And of course with that money, how can it not be? So I can understand why, you know, he wanted to secure as much money in term as possible. And for Calgary side of things, they want to stay competitive. And this was probably the only way they could really do this right now. So, um, you know, that's kind of how it, how it works, but what a huge deal, man, just unbelievable. Yeah, for being backed into a corner, basically, and everybody knowing that Kachuk wanted out, they fucking made out like bandits. Big time. And I know there were some rumors of some other teams, like St. Louis, I think, was was pretty close. But the asking price was, you know, Tarasenko plus some. So, I mean, 
St. Louis didn't seem interested in in pulling the trigger, you know, on giving up Tarasenko after, you know, his big bounce back year and the chemistry that he formed with like Robert Thomas and uh, I think Buchnevich was that the other player on that line? I'm trying so. to think. I think there is a bit of a, a Russian connection there, but um, and you know interesting to say the least and i think carolina was another team that was sniffing around matthew kachok so i think the the one big name there was martin Nikash. um but obviously there would have been a lot more added on to that um based on what this deal ended up giving calgary so uh just just crazy man just nuts any kind of predictions of uh you know who who outscores who do you think Kachuk outscores Huberdeau this year? Do you think Huberdeau uh, continues and and stays a phenomenal playmaking, uh, you know, player? And uh, you know, maybe him and Elias Lindholm find some chemistry and light up in Calgary. I think most likely Huberdeau is going to outscore Kachuk. Like he's going to be playing in a little bit more of a defensive system, yes, but he's a much more offensive player. Kachuk's going to be worried about other aspects of the game. And whereas we've seen with Huberdo, it's kind of mostly offense from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another thing that uh, maybe enticed Florida to, to be able to pull the trigger is the, the probably the upcoming um, of like Anton Lundell this year and what Anton Lundell showed um, and just how good he really was in his rookie year playing in you know third line minutes for florida i think i think they have a special one in anton lundell in florida and and that might have helped them be okay with moving on uh from huberdo but uh the mckenzie Weger, that that's crazy that's crazy moving on from him i think that really hurts their depth at d and gonna be really interested to see you know, what happens with Mackenzie Weger here if he does sign or if he gets he gets moved. Because I know Calgary right now, they have a bunch of D already. I mean, I think they already had 7D on one, one-way contracts before bringing in Weger here. So expect something to happen, uh, whether it's more trades or something. Something's got to happen with Calgary's uh, depth on D. So, uh, you know, do they trade another D? Do they trade... Tanev perhaps get rid of him and then sign Uyghur long-term somebody who's younger who could you know stay and become part of that core for a long time and and then ship off you know what like a 34 year old Tanev or you know what are they going to do what do you think that next move is for Calgary I don't think they have to make a move looking it up they've got 7d on NHL deals is that including Uyghur Yep, that's with Uyghur on the roster. Well, that's not too bad. I know they just re-upped uh, uh, Shillington, right? And Zadorov as well. Yep, so. they're both here. Zadorov was one that actually a lot of people said they didn't think he was coming back. And then bam, there he He had was. a great year. He had a great year, didn't he? Yeah, and like in Calgary, Anderson's the only defenseman signed longer than two years. So like they've got a lot of freedom there that gives them a lot of flexibility too, right? Like yeah. um, who's that one prospect uh, coming up? Uh, he's Finnish. You mean Valimaki? Uh, Valimaki. Yeah. He's 24. Valimaki. Wow. He is starting to age, isn't he? Or well, he's he, 20. He he'll, he'll be 24 at the start of the season. 
So yeah, I thought maybe he was no a more. bit younger. Yeah, not 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 quite. I mean, I remember mean, when Michael they refused Bunting to trade twenty five. Fucking, <laughs> I know, right? Ouch, ouch. But uh, yeah, that was a name that uh, I was thinking about too. That uh, you know, when is he going to take that step? But obviously, that hasn't happened. So he's um, regressed. He has. Moving on from that big deal. Um, I don't know if we really touched on it last time, Durham, but uh, we can go over it in more, more uh, detail this time. And that was uh, just a couple of those moves that the Pittsburgh Penguins made to, um, you know, acquiring defenseman Jeff Petrie and forward Ryan Paling from the Montreal Canadiens in exchange for Mike Matheson and a fourth round draft pick in 2023. You're the Penguins guy. Uh, give me your thoughts on this one. Well, I think we might as well throw both trades in there too and go through both of them there. So we got the first one with Petri. And then it was like an hour and a half after that, I think they made another trade where, or actually they might've did the Marino one first. Cause they traded John Marino to the New Jersey devils as well for uh defenseman, Ty Smith and a third round pick. And then they made the Petri trade an hour and a half later. That's what it was. Cause I was like, what the fuck? They got rid of their only right-handed defenseman that's half good and isn't Latang. But honestly, as the Pens guy here, like I like these trades. We all knew the window for Pittsburgh was in the next three years, like with Crosby's current contract, right? We all knew that. Yeah. And now they, in my opinion, upgraded their top four defensemen. Like Petri's going to be a good number two for them. We'll say he had a shit year in Montreal last year. Who didn't? But once St. Louis took over, I believe Petri had 21 points in the last 31 games. That's not bad for a 34-year-old D. So if he's able to not replicate that for the next year or two, who gives a shit about his third year when they're not doing that great? Like, if they have a good... If they win three playoff rounds in the next two years, I'm fucking thrilled. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> You you gotta be. I mean, I I like the Petrie Petri. I, I think Pete. I say Petrie, but um, I I you gotta like that pickup. I mean, that's a good veteran defenseman, and he's just adds so much stability back there. He's a tough defenseman to play against too. Um, <laughs> when I hear his name, though, all I think is that one picture where his eyes were just bloodshot. Yep. That was against <laughs> like Pittsburgh fucking, too. Was it? it looks yeah. It that was like in the uh, COVID qualifying just, playoffs fucking biting guys necks and shit eating pucks but um he just still provides uh a lot offensively but provides a ton defensively like this guy eats a lot of minutes plays a lot of hard minutes plays against the top lines like this is who you're putting out there to shut down the other team's top guys but he's also a guy who could go out there on your second power play and, and make things happen right yeah i think it's gonna be between him and hopefully however ty smith shows in camp like he's still waiver eligible so my gut still says like they might send him down to the ahl for this year because they can this is his last year of ahl eligibility before waivers and they'll just play the shit out of him for 25 26 minutes a night let him get his confidence back but i do think it's going to be between him like smith and petri for that second power play job obviously first power plays the tang that ain't gonna change yeah no that's not changing Probably not for six years. No, <laughs> no, at some point. Um, but 
don't sleep on Ty Smith. Like this guy is, is a defenseman. Like he had a pretty bad sophomore slump season and apparently New Jersey didn't like what, uh, what they seen. Um, but at the same time, dude, I, I remember, I, I remember picking him up in fantasy hockey for his rookie year and the guy was producing and he was, he was like basically like New Jersey's best defenseman at the time. Like, he was carrying their team. He looked very poised. He looked, and that was at, I think the age of 20. So, yeah, I mean, he's still quite young and I, I think this guy's going to be a heck of a top four D going forward still. And he's big, he's got size. He showed that, uh, you know, one other thing too, is he's, he's going to be learning from Chris Letang. And I think that's going to be super, super important and helpful. And of course, obviously you're getting guided by guys like Crosby and, and Malkin, but, but the fact that he can learn a lot from Chris Letang, I think is going to be very, very huge for his development going forward. I agree. Cause they're kind of similar players in like, there are no slouches defensively, but offense and transition is their game. So I think exactly. it's going to be great for him to be able to watch Latang, And Latang's a tenacious motherfucker too. So if someone's not really doing well, he's probably going to be on him. Oh yeah, big time. Like tenacious is a perfect word to describe Latang, And, you know, he, he plays with his heart, heart on his sleeve for sure. And uh, he's been doing it for so many years. And, and the consistency that he's brought is you know, maybe going to be a uh, bring a lot of good teaching lessons to Ty Smith, especially after you know a bit of a slump for him. But I I think that was a uh, you know tough that they had to give up Marino. He's solid D, still fairly young, but um, what they picked up for him, uh, you know, could potentially turn out to be even better than what Marino is. Yeah, like if you want to look at Marino and Matheson in Marino. In Marino, Matheson, Petrie, and Smith, like the four NHL defensemen that were involved in these trades, they gave up the best defensive defenseman in Marino. Like, that's no question. But they got the two best offensive defensemen in Petrie and potentially Smith. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So interesting moves for sure. But uh, I I would say that their, their D did get better. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Jerry one year left three and a half mil. No talks. Nothing. eh? It's been silent. Yeah. But Hextall doesn't really let leak or shit leak out. So they could announce it. Hextall's the guy making the decisions there. Sounds, it seems so weird. Like it's the Flyers goalie making the Penguins better. I know, dude, it's so weird. It's just, it's just weird to think about, man. Yeah, that was a fucking tailspin for me that day. Yeah, oh, I'm sure it was, dude. <laughs> you were probably in a glass case of emotion. Milk was a bad choice. It was a bad choice, especially in this heat. Especially in this heat. Kraken fans, the action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet of up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. 
You can throw down on all major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Something that I'm keeping my eyes open on is the double IHF World Juniors coming up. And you know there's going to be some sweet bets to lay down on that. If you're looking at betting on the States, betting on Canada, maybe you have a feeling one of those European teams are going to come through and win. You could put a nice little future on one of those teams uh, for this summer if you're looking to get in on the summer hockey action train. So I think I have my sights on a couple futures in there. So maybe check that out as well. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. All right, welcome back. Kraken fans, we have some early summer predictions of what the Seattle Kraken's opening night roster may just look like when that October time rolls around Durham. And uh, you want to start things off? Well, we're going to talk about the forwards, then we're going to get into some defensive lineups, and then, of course, our goaltenders. And starting with some early predictions. I mean, this top line is now going to be looking loaded with some of the moves that have been made. Who do we got starting in the first three positions? That's top line center, top left wing, top right wing, baby. Well, we got the three Bs, baby. And in that order of center, left wing, and right wing, we got Beneers, Burakovsky, and Bjorkstrand. The three Bs, baby. I like that. We're going to have to come up with something if, in fact... This is how they open the opening night roster with, uh, and they run with the three Bs because, holy, this looks like a lot of offense and a lot of ability on that top line. What do you like the most about these three players playing together? I like that it's got a blend of everything. Like, I'm not sure how it's going to grow if it goes that way because I think you're throwing a lot of defensive responsibility on Veneers with those two guys with him but I love the playmaking ability Beneers is going to have from the middle as well. We saw that at the end of last year in those 10 games that he got. Burakovsky's a good offensive guy. He's a blend of goal scoring and passing. And then Bjorkstrand, you're going to have the guy that is going to finish the most goals on that line. Yeah, I think, like you said, it brings a great blend of everything. And you might be thinking, well, you know, Beneers, he's, he's a rookie this year. Like, don't put that kind of pressure on him. I think he just thrives in that pressure. I think this guy's going to be your top-line centerman for this team um, right out of the gate. So that's why we have Beneers on that top-line center position. And why not throw some of those new guys with him and see what kind of chemistry you can make right off the bat and like you said, Beneers, this guy can score, but between these two, maybe he's going to become more of his kind of natural playmaking and then be that defensive side of the puck where that gives the option for your Bjorkstrand and your Burakovsky, two guys coming off their career years offensively to continue 
producing that offense. And like you said, feeding pucks to Bjorkstrand, feeding pucks to Burkowski, and turn those two guys into, you know, potential 30 goal scorers. Yeah, I think this has the most potential out of the four lines to create the most offense. Completely agree. So that's line number one. Moving on to line number two, we have on the left wing, Jared McCann in the middle, Yanni Gord, and on the right wing, Jordan Eberle. What do you think this line brings to the game? The best two-way ability of all four of these lines. Like I said earlier, I think McCann's going to be the guy who's most likely going to be our goal scorer for the year. Like him or Bjorkstrand, I think, are going to be 1-2. Gord is going to be our best defensive player. That's not like counting either position. And then Eberle is going to be our best two-way presence, I think, on the wing. Yeah, and that's something that's a bit underrated in Eberle's game is his ability to still be like a good two-way player, right? Exactly. Like everyone wants to look at Eberly and be like, oh, he's a 30 goal, 50 point guy. It's like, yeah, he is that, but he's so much more as well. Yeah. And I think that's where you get a lot of value and it's tough because he had such a great start to the year, but as some of that, I don't know, kind of that energy of, you know, being the new team in the NHL and, and, you know, just kind of getting shit can night after night, you know, some of that started to fade and then, you know, he found himself in quite a hole. So I think just, you know, being around and playing with more veteran guys is going to help Everly and, you know, maybe not having to be that go-to guy on the top line as well uh, should really help just take a bit of that pressure off Everly where you're not going to see another 20-game skid of him not being able to score a goal. Plus, coming from a system under trots where everything is extremely dialed in and detailed and everyone knows what everybody else is doing, it's got to take a lot of adjustment going from, like, no not shitting on Hackstall here, but let's not pretend like Trotz isn't the most detailed coach that was in the NHL, right? So that's got to yeah, be difficult I mean, going from a system you've played in for three years to I got to change instantly and try and figure everything out again. And I think that's where it's going to really help um, playing with other guys who obviously played last year under Hackstall and his systems and being familiar with that for a whole season now, I mean, maybe that's going to really help them just, you know, have that extra step being positioned a little bit better and quicker in order to make some of those plays. So um, you take a look at that top six, what an improvement from last season already, right? Absolutely. I mean, this team just based on that is going to be scoring goals majorly and now let's take a look at this third line because this this forward group is deep and who do we have on this third line Durham? well we got Jaden Schwartz Alexander Wenberg and the guy who seemingly cannot score a fucking goal Jonas Donskoy yeah so that's making up our third line right now and I think this is one of those lines that uh, has the potential to really you know, have some movement here. I think one guy who's definitely going to be in that spot is Jaden Schwartz. After that, things get a little bit interesting, right? Like, is Wenberg that guy on center? I think so. It would make sense for that. 
Donskoy there, though, that's the biggest question mark for me. I think he's going to be the – well, I think – I don't know because I think Wright gets a few games at the start of the year. Like, I don't think they send him back to junior without playing at all. And I think Agreed. if he goes into somewhere, it's in Wenberg's spot right there for a game or two before they send him back. Maybe four games. But I think between Schwartz and Donskoy is kind of the perfect spot for Wright to be introduced to the NHL. Two veteran wingers, one speedy, one a good physical two-way guy. They've both got a blend of offense with them too. Donskoy's a nice passer. Schwartz could be a good finisher around the net. Yeah, exactly. Wenberg too, nice passer, uh, somebody who would be really good to be playing with, uh, you know, if he ended up moving over to the wing and, you know, helping set up Shane Wright, that could be a little deadly combination for them. And Schwartz is that tenacious guy who can go win those puck battles and, and, and make things happen. And, and, you know, he had a bit of a, a more disappointing year, but I expect a good bounce back from Jane Schwartz as well. So yeah, this, Opening night roster, maybe Shane Wright is actually in that spot over Donskoy, and I think that would make a lot of sense. I agree. I think he gets a few games on our third line. You know, probably plays about 10 to 12 minutes. Yeah, has maybe a game or two where he pushes 15, 16 if he's playing well or gets a lot of power play time. Maybe he gets a look, some looks on that first power play unit. Um, you know, any who, and who knows, right. And that could really just change or, or force some decisions, uh, in Shane, Wright And if he ends up going back down or, or sticking with the team, but moving on to our fourth and final line on the forward core here, we have on the left wing, Chris, just about said, Chris Tan of Durham. That's okay. Punch They're me in brothers. The face. They're brothers. It's punch allowed me, to slide. punch me in the face. The ghost, Brandon Tanev on that left wing in the center position. We got Morgan Geeky. And on that right wing, we got Carson Kuhlman taking that position. Somebody who really solidified themselves when they got picked up off of waivers from Boston last season. I really like Carson Kuhlman. And what does this fourth line bring? speed baby tanev and kuhlman are gonna be fucking just flying down the wings they're gonna be hitting everything with a goddamn pulse hopefully not in a seattle shirt and then morgan geeky's a little bit slower skater so he's gonna be our f3 there coming in the zone just dragging up the middle of the ice half cocked loaded up and he's gonna let a cannon go baby he's gonna score 15 goals this year Oh, I like it. Big takes right there. Um, I, I like it because, I mean, Brandon Tanev and, and Carson Kuhlman, I think those are two guys who are going to be playing a lot together. The question is who's going to be their centerman if it's geeky. Like, you know, cool, that, that'd be great to see. But I think the Tanev-Kuhlman uh, is going to be a bit of what we've seen out of Yanni Gordon Kuhlman and, and some of that chemistry is going to be very similar to guys who skate fast and want to hit everything that moves. Right. Exactly. They're going to be staples on our PK all year too. So a good fourth line that can grind it down, wear down the opponents, but make things happen too. And I like that because those guys can be the ones going in, hitting, making, you know, winning puck battles, forcing turnovers, and then Geeky, like you said, he's just he's got that incredible shot. He's proved it. I mean, 
remember that first game last year against Vegas? He just stepped yep. over and absolutely ripped one top shelf net. And somebody on my on my fantasy league like picked him up literally after that game. Not going to drop any names. Um, it was Perry, but uh, <laughs> he picked him up on fantasy right after that rip. I didn't blame him. I'm like, oh, shit, you could be onto something. But obviously, you know, we didn't see that continue. Um, but when we did see him score, um, I mean, Geeky was just throwing rockets. I mean, he, he's got an incredible shot. He's just got to hit the net more and and uh, make things happen that way. But overall, what are you ranking this forward group going into, uh, you know, the, the new season here? I'll give him a B minus. You know, we don't really have anybody that I would say is an A player in the league yet, but we've got a lot of Bs and we don't have anyone that's really dragging the team down. Yeah, and I think we have like tons of great depth now, right? You have basically what I would presume is like three second lines. That's yeah. basically what's going on. And then, you know, you have Tanev, you have Geeky who could potentially play up if, you know, if he takes another stride. I know Brandon Tanev definitely could be a third line guy in this league. Like he he has been, He's he's proven that. He plays like one. Carson Kuhlman, he played really good, you know, next to Yanni Gordon in a lot of those top nine positions last year. So you have so much depth and we haven't even talked about, you know, where Ryan Donato would fit in this lineup as well. Right. Yeah. I think he's sliding into that bottom six, you know, it might be Don Scoy's spot that he slides into. So put a little bit more goal scoring on that line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so tons tons of options there, and I love the way this uh, forward group is looking going into the season. Let's uh, move our attention now to the defensive side, and who do we got as our top D pair? Well, our top D pair this year is going to be the top D that we finished with last year. We're going to have Vince Dunn and Adam Larson anchoring the top two there. I like it, and why do you think this will be the starting pair going into the season? Well, we've got our most offensive defenseman in Vince Dunn and a guy who knows the system. I think he's going to be our power play guy this year. And then we've got Larson, who's a steady defensive force out there. You know, he pinched in a couple times and created some offense last year too, which was great to see, but obviously something not he or something he's not known for. So if he's able to kind of just shut it down and let Vince do his thing on the other side, I think that's going to be a good position for them. Yeah, I agree. And I think... Um... You know, Vince Dunn, I'm sure, just like anyone, uh, is, you know, more than anyone, is really wanting a bit of a bounce back year because I think there was a lot of high expectations for him heading into the season last year, and he didn't meet those expectations necessarily. So I wouldn't be surprised if Vince Dunn is absolutely fired up to really prove himself this year. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see what kind of step Vince Dunn can now take. Yeah, it's going to be big for him. Like he he needs to have a step forward year this year, right? Like last year of that two-year show me deal. Yeah, no, 100%. Like he needs to step up and and have a show me kind of year and you know, hopefully obviously with with Giordano gone, he he kind of, you know, becomes that should be your top offensive D this year and he's going to get every a, you know, every reason to be able to prove it. And 
with some of the offensive weapons now coming into the lineup and a full year of veneers and the trades of Bjorkstrand and, and bringing in Barakovsky, I think, you know, and you still have, you still have McCann. They like, they have a lot more weapons and a lot more guys who can shoot and pass and move that puck um, at, you know, maybe not a high elite level, but starting to get at a, a better, you know, high offense elite level um, when it comes to the power play. So he's going to have more weapons to, to use on that power play. And I think that's going to help him out a lot as well. And I think having a little more of an offensive presence from the forwards on the power play is going to be big for him because he's not going to be relied on to do as much. It's just going to be, Hey, we need you to get to the, get the puck on net every once in a while and just move it efficiently. That's all we're asking for you now. Yeah. Uh, And I think one of the biggest problems was just maybe he just kind of felt like he was overthinking the game a little bit. Uh, And, you know, it looked like he just was, putting all the pressure on himself last year. So maybe stepping into this year, you know, he takes that deep breath, exhales a bit and being on a line with Adam Larson is going to allow him to have that flexibility uh, to be a bit more creative on the offensive side where Larson can be that steady defenseman sitting back and uh, you know, let him go ahead and, and make a couple mistakes trying to make plays, but you know, know that he's got a steady defenseman back there to kind of, you know, be there if you know if needed be so definitely hoping that he he's able to come through take another step up in his game and maybe become a you know a 45 to 50 point defenseman do you think that's possible i think so i think he should be able to be a half a point a game defenseman for the rest of his career i i really think so too i think uh I think he's a really good defenseman and somebody who has that offensive ability. So, um, you know, definitely going to be keeping my eyes out on him for sure, especially when it comes to some fantasy hockey, baby. Uh, moving on to our second line here. Uh, who do we got um, on our, our our second pair? Carson Soucy and newcomer Justin Schultz. Nice. And very similar to what... Uh, the setup of our first pair and then explain what kind of similarities you see Durham. Well, the only difference is, is our defensive defenseman is on the left side and our offensive guys on the right side now. And I guess a bit of a difference might be, you're going to be more of a shooter from Schultz. Like I kind of expect Schultz to lead our defenseman in shots this year, especially if he's going to play second power play. Yeah, and why not when you have a shot like his, right? Yeah, when he first came to Pittsburgh, it's funny you mentioned uh, Geeky just having to hit the net because uh, he came over to Pittsburgh as a like eighth defenseman in that 2016 run, and then the next year Latang was hurt, so he was like their guy on D offensively. But he got into a couple games as the eighth D in the first run there. And I remember watching, I said to my dad, I go, fuck me. If he could hit the net, he'd probably score 10 more goals a year. Like he would let cannons go and they'd end up in the corner. But then he reined it in, dropped that target on net, got like 55 points the next season. And then said, I'm going to Washington. Yeah, and still played really good hockey there. And now, he, you know, he comes over to the Seattle crack and looking for uh, maybe a bit more opportunity than he was uh, maybe perhaps seeing in Washington. And pairing up with uh, with Susie here on that second line, again, that's going to 
allow him to be able to create offensively as well and and make some things happen and that, that those are two defensemen right there that can shoot the puck yeah Carson Susie, he's got a cannon he was obviously the first defenseman last year to hit uh, you know multiple digit goals uh as a defenseman so he's got a cannon but uh you know Schultz also does too so if you got if if the Kraken can you know be able to cycle some pucks down down low and create um, from the back end. And that's actually a lot of what Hackstall's, you know, draws up is he he loves shots from the point, right? Like that's one of the styles that he he wants his players doing. Like they grind it out down low, they get the puck back to the D and shots get released. So that has a potential for this D pair to to be very successful in creating offense and creating goals for the Kraken. Yeah, and that'd be great if it could be successful because then it draws attention away from the forwards down low and then it might give them an extra second to fake a pass and drive the net too and just keeps the defensive team on their toes a lot more if you're able to create offense with all five guys on the ice. Exactly. And, and I love that. And, um, and moving on to our third pair here, we got a lot of size on this third pair. And again, that's kind of what you want. You need one of those defensive pairs to just be really physical, really big and make it really hard to play against. And that's a combination of Jamie Alexiak the big rig and will Borgen, baby. So give me your thoughts on this. Well, you're talking about size just for everyone at home. Will Borgen is the small guy on this D pair and he's six, three, 200 pounds. Yeah. Like, and then you got gonna obviously the body. They're going to be throwing the body around. I really liked what we seen from uh, will Borgen last year. Like you said, this is a D pair that should be able to shut guys down. They're going to probably get a lot of their starts in the D zone. They should both be two defensemen that are really clear in the front of it. Oh, a little barking action going on, eh? Ah, neighbors walk around the hallway. i got a new neighbor that's got a fucking Doberman, so my dog doesn't like that so a well. Doberman. The thing is huge, dude. I sat down in my car, and it looked through the window at me. and I'm like, what do you fucking want? Fuck, I'm 5'7". I'd probably ride that thing like a horse or something. But um, back to hockey here. Jamie Alexiak, Will Borgen. I, I love that kind of combination there. Just just a good, steady, more defensive D here who can just make it hard to play against. Probably going to be eating a lot of PK time between those two defensemen and, of course, um, Larson and Susie. Um, but, yeah, I when you look at this top six, do you think there's anything you're worried about here? Yeah, that we're not very good. Why like not, do you think not to shit on the D, but like we don't have anyone that's gonna be a standout guy both ways. Like we don't have a premier defensive defenseman. We've got some that are good, but we don't have a guy that is like you can rely on a hundred percent of the time and be perfectly confident he's not gonna get scored on. And on the flip side of that, we don't have a guy that you can put out there and be like, he is going to create something for us. Yeah, and I think that's one of the biggest things missing so far with this uh, team. But um, it's going to be one of those things that probably has to develop, whether it's a trade or somebody you're drafting, um, and and then you be you know you get one of those guys. So we'll see. I mean, right now though, it's steady. It's it's guys who can play, 
And uh, like you said, they don't have that high elite guy on the back end, but if they're able to get it done by committee, then they're going to be in good hands. Yeah, that's the only, like, I don't want to sound like an asshole, but I think that's the only way this team is going to be successful is if everyone pulls their weight. You can't have a guy taking a night off here, a guy taking a night off there. It's going to have to be all 20 guys pulling the rope the same way every single night. I agree. It's going to be, it's going to have to be done, but got, by committee and um you know just looking forward to see what this group can do and then of course no surprise here on the back end we got the german gentleman philip grubauer obviously starting and uh you know this is where it's gonna be hard for them to do it every night or night in and night out for this kraken team because they lost some of that goaltending depth with the injury to chris drieger but they did bring in martin jones a bit of a veteran guy who can get it done but you you're not going to be able to have grubauer you know going in there every single night and uh, you know if this team has an off night and grubauer gets lit up i mean you're gonna have to play jones the next game probably if if grubauer has played two or three in a row already and and that's where it's going to be really difficult for this team to be consistent yeah i don't think they're going to be able to play grubauer five or six games in a row again this year and expect to be a successful team yeah, exactly. Like with the injury there with Jones on that back end, probably expecting Grubauer to play. Oof. Okay, Burpee. Holy burps, bud. Oh, sorry. I thought I hit mute. Shit, my bad. <laughs> ah, it's all good, man. It's all good. But um, yeah, do you expect Grubauer how many games? Like 55 to 65 right around there? Like he's going to be playing a lot of hockey. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for is 55, and I want 20, 27 from Jones. 27 games from Jones? Well, that's 82, right? 55 and 27. Yeah, yeah well, it'll be interesting because with Drieger, I, like, will he be back for the last little bit? Will he play in the last month? Will he get some games in? That's going to be the interesting thing. And then you got to think, Joy Decord, is he going to get called up and play a couple games too? So, um you know, right, something 27 that, games from the backups then. Yeah, I like it. So, yeah, okay. So 55 from Gru, 27 from the rest. Yeah, well, that's what I should have said. You got me there. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Uh, man, I love Grubauer. What a beauty. But uh, that gentleman. basically, the German gentleman, that basically makes our lineup. But with, with some extras, obviously, being Michael Kempney, um cal flurry he's he's kind of in there as an option too maybe he's subbing in for will borgen and then of course like we said ryan donato who's probably going to get some looks um you know maybe he becomes that guy instead of don scoy um who who finds his way into the lineup more than don scoy and and out battles him because i you know he definitely had a better year than him last year so um it's just shocking kind of how bad of a year don scoy had so you, you kind of think that he's gonna be due for a bounce back but at this point i don't know if i'd put my money on it either yeah you were betting on a couple goals from donskoy like every other week last year and that did not pay out i tell you what i'm not gonna do this year bet on donskoy bet on donskoy <laughs> <laughs> not a chance hopefully that helps maybe he'll, he'll score 15 now he's gonna lead the team in goals 
I don't want to bet on anyone now that I fucking did that last year. I think I'm gonna gonna Just stay away ride. from doing those. Enjoy the ride, exactly. So uh, that leaves us with, um, you know, who's going to be leading this team in categories then? If this is the lineup, what do we expect, Durham? Like, team leader in points, who do you got? I'm going to go with my boy, Jared McCann. Really? Okay, I like it. I like it. Why do you got McCann leading? Gut feeling. I think he's going to get some power play goals. I think he's going to lead the team in goals. Like I said, it's him or Bjorkstrand. Bjorkstrand, and I'm going with McCann. I'm going with the devil I know. So you got him for points. You got him for goals. Who's going to lead this team in apples? Andre Burakovsky. Originally, I wanted to say Eberle, but I'm going to go with Burakovsky. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that pick. I think Burakovsky would be great. And I'm actually going to go with leader for points is going to be Beneers. I think the rookie is going to lead this team. I just, from what I seen last year, I and I, I just think he's going to lead this team, man. I just have a feeling that Beneers is uh, just, just going to be an absolute stud and he's going to win that Calder. I toyed with it, but I didn't want to, I don't know. I didn't want to put those expectations on him as if he's going to sit there and hear Alex giving him like he's gonna lead the team in points and then he's like oh no look at all this pressure from some random kid in Ontario now if anything he'd be like well he's got a pretty good point I agree so that's just the, that's just who Matty Beneers is so be great to have him on the pod one day and uh maybe that's something that'll happen but um you know who's gonna who's gonna lead this team in uh, goaltender wins Durham if it's not Grubauer we're fucked yeah, exactly. That is just that means that it's a a bad injury has happened or one of the craziest <laughs> trades. But uh we'll see if that ends up happening, but uh, I mean Grubauer easy, he's going to do it. Power play points. Who do you got? Maddie B, baby. Yeah, this kid was so good on the power play when he came in and uh, I like that pick. I uh, he's so offensively dynamic he's so smart and when they brought him in on that power play when he played those last 10 games that power play looked so much better with just the addition of him and now you're bringing in a couple more guys who can you know pop goals in so he's got so much more weapons to use and the way he can set guys up is is bar none so maddie Beneers with the power play points that makes him a pretty big fantasy hockey guy Exactly. And if your league tracks time on ice, he's going to be playing a lot. Yeah, big time. So power play short, power play points, Beneers, shorthanded points. Who do you got? Yanni Gord. That was an easy Yanny one for me. Gord. That was the easiest one other than goalie wins. Nice. I No, I, I agree. I think, um, you know, especially if they keep pairing Yanni Gord up with, uh, you know, maybe they pair him up with uh, – Tanev now that he's healthy or they they keep the him and Carson Kuhlman together I mean how many two-on-ones were they getting uh shorthanded near the end of the season when they're playing together that was just wild so uh Yanni Gord I like it shorthanded points uh, I I think that's happening for sure yeah if they had any good luck last year they just scored a lot more yo yeah big time and last but not least Who's scoring the most game-winning goals for the Kraken this season? Well, I am not going to stray far from my earlier answer. If he's going to lead the team in goals, odds are he's going to lead them in game winners as well. Jared McCann. 
Jared McCann. That's money. Jared Money McCann, baby. You know, he's going to be playing on that new contract now, expecting more goals out of him too. What what do you cap him at? I think I think 35 is possibility. I'm going to be a dick and say 33 just to go prices right rules. All right, prices are <laughs> Well, the price will be right for me, of course, um, you know, with the higher number because McCann is going to absolutely go off this year. And I'm going to put him at eight game winning goals for the Kraken this year. Damn. I'll go six. Okay. Yeah, I know eight is a lot. So um, <laughs> we'll see if that happens uh, or not. But man, I'm just fucking excited, dude. I'm so excited for the season to start and the moves that the Kraken made and, you know, the first year they had to really just come in and and find and and figure out what their game was and how they wanted to play under Hackstall and and we seen a better team near the end of the season and now they've brought in these additions they have you know new faces around there's going to be guys pretty stoked about that and um just excited to get things going man yeah it's going to be i think much more interesting year than last year was and that's saying something considering it was their first season yeah yeah for sure i mean it was hard to really know what to expect i mean especially with vegas you know setting the setting the bar so high as as one of the the you know the other newest team in the league and and obviously seattle didn't come close to that but at the same time i think it was really good for the long term of this team to to maybe not be that good and and continue building prospects and continue getting these young kids to build around so now you're going to be able to see some of those young kids in the lineup you know do we see shane wright you know that's the biggest question mark where is he going to be playing that's the really the biggest question mark, but I wouldn't be, you know, shocked to see him go back to junior. And I think that would be a really good option. But um, Durham, before we finish this podcast off, let's uh, just talk about some hockey that is really close because just three more days away from now, um, we're going to be able to get to see some world juniors going on. And it just feels so weird that it's happening in August. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, what do you think about the hype level for this? Like personally, I'm not as invested into this one as I was back in January and December. I completely agree. Hype level is at an absolute all time low for world juniors. Um, it doesn't feel like there's any hype at all. I'm not hearing about it much. Um, you know, there's not a lot of posts going on. It just, it feels more like a summer showcase style. And, exactly. you know, it doesn't feel like there's going to be a gold medal on the line. Maybe that changes when things start and things start, you know, it, you know, the game start taking off and, and things are happening. But right now there's absolutely no hype level. And I kind of feel for some of the players, especially if this is their last crack at it, um, it's going to be strange, but no doubt, dude, living in Banff right now, Banff, Alberta, not a big deal. I'm definitely going to be looking at, um, you know, trying to acquire some tickets, maybe do a little roadie trip up to Edmonton where they're going to be hosting the world juniors and try to catch a game or two. Man, if it's that close, you have to, like, I was lucky enough to go watch it when McDavid played for Canada and they won gold, not a big deal. And it was some of the best hockey I've ever watched. 
Like while the hype yeah. level might not be there for us as like TV fans in the rink, it's going to be phenomenal. Yeah. And just because that hype level isn't there, doesn't make this, this type of hockey less, you know, worthy of being watched. Like if you are like, you know, a hockey fan and avid, you know, maybe you're new to the game, you know, whatever it is, uh, maybe you've watched for many years and you've seen a lot of world juniors, or perhaps you've never even seen any world juniors yet. This is some of the best hockey that you wait for all year. Like this really is some of the cream of the crop. And, and these kids every time give it their all. And, you know, it's always a blast watching the world juniors and anytime it's in North America, that always helps your ability to watch it at least right for most people's, you know, work schedules and daily life schedules. So, um, definitely something to invest in watching and for sure. Um, question though, Durham. Yep. Do you like the roster resets? So obviously these aren't the exact same rosters as they were, you know, back in January when uh, COVID absolutely fucked it and we weren't able to watch it at, uh, you know, our, our nice little Christmas time. Um, do you like the idea of the roster resets, how they were able to make adjustments now and uh, kind of repick their teams? I don't really. I'll go like 70-30. I'm against it. I think you should have to enter the exact same roster you entered in the tournament back in December. Obviously, you can have exceptions, like if a guy's hurt. But all these guys being like, oh, I don't want to play for my country. I'm trying to make an NHL team in a few months. It's like, oh, I didn't realize you were such a superstar that you're better than your country. Like, some of these guys haven't, like, I don't want to shit on these Touched kids. Touched NHL eyes. Exactly. Like, let's use Shane Wright as the example. He played one and a half World Junior Games. And now he's like, you know what? I don't need to play in this summer tournament. I'm trying to make Seattle. I don't need to prove anything there. It's like, bro, what have you? What do you mean? Like, what have you proved? I'm confused as to why he's not playing. I think this is another great step to be able to, you know, show that he has the ability to step up and be that player and be the top player of a team and, and win something that that's the one thing that we haven't seen of Shane right yet. So I understand he's going to be investing and training and doing everything he can to make that crack and roster. But at the same time, I think this is a great, great experience to be able to, you know, add to that resume and that, you know, your experience as a hockey player and then, you know, another step of growth. So to not have them there is, it is slightly disappointing to say the least. Not even like that. It's an opportunity for growth and all that and showcase like you are a big deal or whatever. But for me as a competitive person, if I was the top ranked or top two ranked guy and, for the last few years, he was the consensus number one. And then you yeah. slide to fourth and there's all this talk about you. Like, how do you not instantly go, fuck you? I'm going to prove it to you. And then the world juniors are a month after the draft. And you're like, yeah, I don't need to play in this. Yeah. Like, don't you want to bend the scouts over and just prove exactly. that? Uh, like, you know, they obviously made the wrong decision. So 
that that kind of sucks. I, I agree though. I don't like the roster resets. It, and a lot of like like Canada, you know, I haven't been tracking all the other um rosters as closely, but you know, Canada's you know, cut some guys and brought some other guys in that um, you know, were originally on were on the original team. So like changes like that, it's it's very interesting to see. So um yeah, I guess, you know, the new players who have now made the team, like, cool, congrats. They're getting those opportunities now, and, and maybe they have shown and proved that they deserve it more now, now that, you know, whatever, six months has passed or whatever it's been. Um, but at the same time, I think I would be more for keeping the same rosters, especially exactly. the fact that the tournament got going and some play, you know, some teams played, you know, a couple games, so. Yeah, like, Canada had nine people opt out. What the fuck? Yeah, that's wild. Like six months. Is that really going to make that big of a difference? Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't either. But, um, you know, what do you think is going to happen? Who's going to be the top teams of this tournament, Durham? Like what, what is your top three? Who's gold? silver bronze maybe not in order but maybe just give me your top three you don't have to say who's winning those but uh, who's gonna finish at least in those those uh those medal rankings in this well i have money on finland or sweden to win it so they're my top two teams and then i've got canada third and checks being a close four depending on jurisac Ooh, that's interesting what about is Slavkovsky not going to be playing with uh, Slovakia? I'm no, him, the... Nemec, and Messar are not playing for Slovakia. Massar is not playing? Montreal's not letting anybody go. Why? I don't know. I just saw it from, uh, I forget who it was, but it was a reporter covering the Slovakian team, and he's like, Montreal's not allowing Slavkovsky or Messar to play in the World Juniors this summer. Wow, that's a joke. I, that makes me want to headbutt my wall next to me that kind of pisses me off because it's you know that's that's the best on best right you want to see the best on best when it comes to this tournament and that's what you know that's how it always is so exactly that's a little that's a little disappointing and maybe that's a big reason why some of the hype level just isn't there yeah like we're not seeing the best players that we can and i understand Mm -hmm. we have that a little bit every year but those are the guys that are in the nhl in this case, we've got guys that are like, I'm going to try and play there this year. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. It, it's, yeah, I don't know. It just makes me uh, give my head a bit of a shake. But uh, back to uh, your rankings here, Durham. Like, holy shit. Give me, uh, give me your reasons why you have these Nordic countries finishing uh, in the top three. Like, let's start with Finland. They didn't have a single player opt out. They have their entire team. They're ready to go. Atu Rati's a beast since he dropped to the second round. He's just been tearing up internationally. Kemmel's a great prospect. Brad Lambert was dominant in the two games in the World Juniors back during the winter. And by all accounts, he's been dominant in their pre-tournament games. <sighs> yeah, you pretty much nailed it there. And, and, it's, and it seems like, you know, Finland... Uh you know, they have some good goaltending too going into the tournament as well, right? Yeah, they've got uh Mer Marilinen. Is that how I say that? He plays for yeah. King or played for Kingston in the O. Yeah, Levi Marilinen. Yeah. 
Yeah, so he's going to be their guy going into this one, and he's played well. I think he was uh, the starter back in December as well, or he split the two games, whatever. Yeah, I think he probably played one of the two games, but uh, looked good in it for sure. Yeah, that's a team where, and Finland always just finds a way, right? Like they band together and that's a country where they do it by committee. They do. They play a very similar style to those North American teams, right? Yeah, they're very physical. Put your boots on, we're going to work. Yeah, so I I do like their goaltending there. I I don't know who their their backup really is. I think his name is uh, like Yuha Jatkola. Yep. Um. So I don't know a whole lot about him, but uh, you know I think he'll be playing in the Liga. Okay. That's yeah. So I mean, if that's the case, that's a that's a big deal for him. So so it definitely. You know, it definitely seems like they have a good one-two punch there. And and moving over to uh, Team Sweden here, obviously you seem pretty high on them as well. So give me your thoughts on why why you have them uh, ranked right up there as well. Well, they've got some pretty good forwards in Ogren, Lysel, Niederbach, Olofsson. Obviously, Lakara Mackey, I think, is the highest drafted forward on that team. And then they're going to have probably the best decor in the tournament. Obviously, Edvinson's going to be great, potentially the best defenseman in the tournament. Granz is a great defensive guy. Wallander as well. And then I think they're going to have who's hands down the best goalie in the tournament and a guy who actually could fight for a spot on an NHL roster next year in Jester Wallstedt. Yeah, I mean, this guy's a stud. He, uh, you know, he's proven that he, you know, he steps up in some, uh, in international play as well. Right. So, um, they, they have some, some wicked good goaltending here. And, uh, obviously, you know, Wallstedt leading the way, no doubt about that. Right. Like this is another big stud in that. So, um, yeah, yeah. He's drafted by, um, is it Minnesota? Yep. Yeah. So, and that's interesting because obviously they traded away Cam Talbot. They brought up Gustafson. He could fucking, he could battle with Philip Gustafson there for a spot uh, as a backup. I think he probably gets a couple games this year, but I do think he'll end up being their AHL goalie this year. Get him accustomed to North America. It just makes sense. Give him games and just let him get better and continue to grow. Right. Like there, you don't really have a reason to have to rush him. Exactly. So why do it? They also have um, Clang, right? Who is uh, a Pittsburgh Penguins draftee who, who, who nope. would be one of their backups. Or, well, yeah, draftee, but they traded him to Anaheim for Raquel. Oh, so he's an he Anaheim prospect now. Oh, wow. He, uh, you know, he's put up some, uh, some pretty good numbers. He, he, uh, he played in the SHL. So, you know, he posted, uh, in, in 17 games, he had a 228 goals against with a 915 save percentage. So that's pretty good. Yeah, he's certainly going to be one of the better backups in the tournament, but that is what he's yeah. going to be is the backup. Like, as great as he's played in the SHL, Wallstedt is the guy. Yeah, he is the guy. So, um, you know, we talked about the D, we talked about the goaltending. Um, did we talk about the forwards on, on Sweden yet here? Uh, we kind of touched on them a bit. I went through like Ogren, Olison, Niederbacher, Niederbach, 
obviously Lekaramaki is going to be their offensive gun. They're another team who seems to get it done by committee too, and just have guys who you're not really that familiar with who step up. But exactly, that, there's 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 a ton of depth on that forward core. And then last but not least, okay, you got the Canadians as well sneaking in there. What do you like the most about the Canadians and and some of the guys they're bringing? Well, what do I like the most about the Canadians? I like what 32 teams in the NHL like going into the 23 draft, and that's Connor fucking Bedard, baby. Oh, this is probably what excites me the most is just watching, uh, being able to watch Connor Bedard and see, you know, what he's able to do because he looked fantastic when that seat, when that tournament got going back in uh, January and, uh, you know, late December there. So obviously the, the projected number one pick in 2023, uh, the undersized forward that just has incredible skill and incredible hockey IQ. So, um, he's going to be a ton of fun to watch here. Oh, he's a shooter. Like as a double underager going into his draft, actually not even technically this would be going the year before going into his draft year. Right. Cause this yeah, is technically, technically the 22 yeah. world juniors and he's got a legitimate shot to lead the tournament in goals. Yeah. He, he literally does like that. That's just how good this kid really is, man. Yeah, I think he's going to be on Canada's second line. I think McTavish is obviously going to anchor their first pair. But if you can get Bedard and maybe Kent Johnson playing together, oh, baby, that's going to be some electric hockey. Yeah, they certainly have some big guns up front uh, when it comes to him, Kent Johnson, McTavish. Those are those are your main three guys up front. And then they just have a lot of good depth players and, and guys who can score. I mean, Stan Coven, you got Ridley Gregg. You got Hoffman. Tyson Forrester, Offman. Like, you got a lot of guys who can put the puck in the back of the net and, and play well. So, um, they, they obviously have a lot of good, uh, a lot of good depth up front. Yeah. They've got, like, that's always one of their great strengths being, you know, Hockey Canada is depth with their team. And then their decor is pretty solid as well. But they don't really have anyone that stands out with Owen Power not coming back. They did some dumb shit. They didn't take Clark again. So they've kind of just got eight defensemen that can all play. You probably sub guys in and out. You're not going to have much of a difference here and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it, um, I mean, they got Donovan Sabrango who, who has a lot of AHL experience already um, with Grand Rapids. Um, so I think he's an assistant captain for the team. So, um, you know, he might be that go-to guy out of uh out of that group but like you said there's no huge standout d um in that core yeah i think offensively they're gonna look to zellweger quite a bit he'll probably be their first power play guy yeah yeah definitely makes sense and then you got a bunch of like minnesota picks in there right you got what carson lambos and then uh is it damon hunt as well as um ryan o'rourke i think yeah, Ryan O'Rourke, like Minnesota's, uh, you know, they got they got some prospect depth just on this team alone, which is, uh, you know, pretty wild to see. So, um, what about what about the states though? Give me give me a quick little take on uh, the states and and what they might be able to do because um, Maddie Beniers is is named to this this roster and you know that's a big deal. Like 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 we said, that's a guy who can lead this team. Oh, I didn't know Beniers was playing in it, to be honest. 
if he's there, that's big for the States. Yeah. Oh yeah. Big time. So, so Beniers is there. I mean, you got, you got Logan Cooley, you got Matt Coronado, you got Matthew Nyes, uh, or knees, whichever, however you pronounce it. Chaz Lucius, um, Sasha Pastujov, Red Savage, probably the best name out there to be honest in, in this tournament. You got some really good depth up front as well. So that makes things pretty interesting for the States. Yeah, like they should have good forwards. They usually do with a blend of skill and then they bring some uh, grittier guys to play in their bottom six, right? Like they try and build more of a team. Their D, I'm not exactly sold on other than Luke Hughes should run the show for them back there. And to be honest, I don't know if I know anything about their goalies. Yeah, I'm trying to think right now too, but uh, I mean... I, I know like, the, you know, you got Tyler Clevin back there too. He's another big body, Brock Faber, um, Ian Moore. So th- they got some real good p- pieces back there to compliment Luke Hughes. who's going to be that guy to lead the way on the back end. And then when it comes to their goaltending, I, I think it's Drew Comiso who, who's going to be their go-to guy in net. So, um, you know, I think, you know, he had an okay year in his, his sophomore year with Boston U. He had like a 6-7-3 record, you know, a 282 goals against, 900 save percentage. So not nothing that's really standout, and I think that's going to hurt this team the most is not really having uh, that exact, you know, top goalie like like they've had for a lot of years in a row, right? Exactly. Like they haven't had, you know – they miss Spencer Knight, I think, to be honest. They need another one of him coming through. Yeah, yeah. They had, they, you know, it felt like for years they've had a string of some goalies who's just, um, you know, come through and played two or three world juniors in a row. And they kind of had that going on for a lot of times. But um, now, now it's a bit of a weak point right now for them and kind of reminds you of Team Canada, you know, five years ago and whatnot, where, you know, you were always questioning, okay, well, well, who's going to step in and actually be, you know, the top goaltender for this team. And they're kind of in that position now. Yeah. It's nice that the shoe's on the other foot. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, looking forward to it. It's, it's, it's pretty close. I'm, I'm going to do my best to keep up with it, man. Um, cause it's hockey and it's, re- it's going to be really good hockey. So, uh, I might need your help to, uh, you know, maybe find a couple streams out there perhaps. Legally, of course, of course. Oh, of course, of course. Maybe you, you know, go halfsies, split on something legally, right? Maybe some TSN go. Mm-hmm. Maybe, yeah, we'll see. Ah, uh, beats me, dude. I haven't even looked into any of that in a long time, but gonna need it now that I've moved uh, and I'm in a different location, so I don't have that access to uh, to satellite like I I once did, where you could watch all those games. So. Um, just looking forward to it, man. And looking forward to the season coming up. Any big plans going on though, Durham, any big plans happening soon? Uh, nothing off the top of my head. Just getting back to work. Yeah. Back to the grind, eh? Grinding it out outside, getting that tan back, just getting after it. Getting a little burnt. A little bit, probably a lot of fuck. It's, you know, it's August now, and this month is usually the most relentless when it comes to heat. I might have peeled a little bit already. Got to get the first one out of the way. Exactly. 
Yeah, no doubt about that. So um, that pretty much wraps things up, though. You got anything else to add? Nope, I got nothing. Sick. Well, uh, I think it's time to get the puck out of here, Durham. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to episode 38. And uh, we'll be doing a podcast not until the start of September. So August is going to be a little bit of a quieter month, but we're still going to stay pretty active, of course, on Twitter and social media. And, um, you know, obviously that tag is at, you know, up W Kraken. So that's UPW Krakens on Twitter. So just follow us there if you're not already to keep up, you know, with some hockey talk and just, you know, shooting the shit with the guys. So, um, you know, everyone's welcome to follow and just send us DMs if you'd like over that time. But, uh, you know, we'll be back kicking it off with some more podcasts at the start of September. And uh, by then we should have a bit more hockey stuff to really talk about and wrap up and just get that much more excited about the upcoming season and Seattle Kraken's second season in the NHL, baby. So um, until then, I hope everybody enjoys the next month of their lives. And, uh, you know, we'll keep you up to date with all things Kraken during that time. So have a nice month, everybody, and peace out, Kraken Nation.